but I hate when I feel like this and I never hated you. Neurotica is a weekly podcast going to the deepest, darkest parts of the mind and bringing them to light. Topics range on mental illness, behavior, and perception and more. Please be warned, many episodes contain trigger warnings. If you ever have thoughts of suicide, please call the suicide hotline at 1-800-273-8255. Hey everybody, welcome to Neurotica. My name's Cody Ryan. I'm here with my co-host as always, Bobby Ratha. How you doing, Bobby? Bobby Ratha. Sorry. We're live again, so now I need to like try to find what Cody is looking at to get my nickname. Yeah. I don't see it. Yeah, I, I, I kind of lied to him uh, about how I do it, so he's not going to figure that one out. But we are happy to be here live, maybe for the last time soon. I don't know. But it, it sounds no. like the world's crumbling again. I don't we both know there's never going to be another true lockdown, yeah. man. Like, people yeah. didn't even... There wasn't even a first lockdown, first of all. It was, like, kind of a suggestion that everyone followed. Yeah, and I think we did a good job of that. But being vaccinated and being locked down... Um, you know me, I'm going to go by every single rule, but... Wink, wink, Bobby. Anyway, um, no, we're, we're still waiting to see what the hell happens with restaurants again and stuff like that. But over the past uh, few weeks, some... Really strange things happened that weren't really related to the pandemic. Uh, the biggest one is news I'm sure everybody knows about. It's, you know, one of those things that just makes you just sigh in pain. Um, Bobby was banned from Twitter. Yeah, I got the uh, I got the old permaban. One of the weaker permaban reasons, I think. I yeah, I, I really thought that one sucked. We had a couple friends today in our Discord chat like say that they got a 12-hour warning or whatever, and I was like, both of those things were worse than what I said. Yeah, somebody suggested they remove themselves from society, aka kill themselves. You said yeah, somebody... No, he didn't even say that. He just said, like, you should jump off a bridge. Yeah. <laughs> but you said, um, if I remember correctly, someone should have the ability to hit you with a sledgehammer. I thought I was skirting it. I thought I was doing a good job, actually. So here's what happened. Um, Denver Broncos safety, I think, TJ Warren, in response... TJ Ward? TJ Warren, sorry. TJ Warren was a guy that went off in the NBA bubble last year and then didn't play this year. Um, I think he plays for the Broncos. I don't know why he was responding to Washington football team coach Ron Rivera, if that's the case, but... Ron Rivera, the Washington football team head coach who survived cancer last year and is now uh, immunocompromised, meaning that the vaccine is likely to be less effective for him um, against COVID, said that he was disappointed in his players knowing that he is immunocompromised for not getting vaccinated because not getting vaccinated, they're not protecting him and putting him at risk more so than they are themselves as young, fit men. Um, so Broncos, I think Broncos, safety, TJ Ward, in tweets that are now deleted, so I'm not sure exactly what they said, basically said, why should we be held accountable for his lifelong decisions? Essentially blaming him for getting cancer and being now immune compromised. Um, he's since deleted the tweets, so I think that any, <laughs> any response to deleted tweets should not count. Um, but I said... Uh, LOL, he should be allowed to hit you in the head with the sledgehammer. Now, this is not a threat. 
This is not encouraging self-harm. It's merely suggesting a rule that Ron Rivera would be allowed or not allowed to follow. And to my mind, that is not bannable behavior. Um, I think part of the reason that I ended up getting banned was that there was a discussion earlier in the day about whether America would, you know, own asset rugby if they just put NFL players as they currently are on the rugby team, which is a dumb discussion. But someone said, you know, they would get their heads cracked open because they're used to wearing helmets. And I quoted that tweet blaming the guy for getting cancer uh, and said, let's make sure to get this guy on the team. This apparently constitutes targeted abuse. And I've appealed the decision twice because I'm uh, addicted to Twitter and I don't know how to fill my time without it, which we'll get into. Um, And it's been denied both times on the basis that it is targeted abuse, which I would strongly disagree with. But yes, as Cody said, the shockwave that's resonated around the world, the British invasion of Twitter, I have gotten a permanent ban. Yeah, and as someone who's not um, trying to get around a suspension on Twitter uh, knows, appealing a a Twitter ban is ass. Um, You don't talk to anybody. You just send a letter to Santa and hope that it comes back without cold. Yeah, I've... God, I've... And this is the first time I've admitted this out loud. I have considered asking friends and fiancé to appeal the decision as well. I'm sure that it won't work, but I... Listen, if I'm well, being you honest... you know some friends at Twitter, too. We could uh, pull some shit. Oh, there is the... Oh, my guy. God. Bobby's actual face of, like, excitement when he learned that. No, I don't even like that guy. I think that guy's kind of a clown, so... After, especially <laughs> after what he tweeted, like, it was, like, a Photoshop. Yeah. You know what no, I'm talking about. Uh, I think that guy's a clown. We're, yeah, we're yeah. not going to get into it. But I have considered uh, tweeting at people to get it back because... Um, I don't know if you I... You're tweet at people? How are you going to do that? Not tweet at people. <laughs> Asking friends to ask Twitter to reinstate my account. Because first of all, should not have been taken from me. But second of all, if I do end up getting back into the game, which I know that I will, despite uh, my best intentions, because I'm addicted to it, <laughs> I don't want to start off as a lobby. I just don't have the mental fortitude to start off as a low follower account guy that People make fun of and they're like, oh, you only have uh, 115 followers, huh? I don't even understand how I have the followers I have because they're definitely not generated through my Twitch and that's what I made my Twitter for. Which just proves that neither one of us know how to use the site, but nobody does. It's, yeah. it's literally like a site. It's like the site is Ikea furniture that goes on forever without instructions. I don't fucking know what we're supposed to be doing. Do you think that 14-year-old that asked how many listeners our podcast has ended up listening? Did he get no. back to you? <laughs> Somebody, but that was really funny in the end because it was just like, oh yeah, how many listeners do your podcast have? I'm like, I don't know. You don't have that many followers as our listeners, so what's the fucking difference? Like, I don't know. <laughs> but I forget exactly what the context was, but, uh, but Cody, Cody and I got into a brief argument with uh, someone who I think replied to him or someone else. Ratio. Said, ratio. Um, this is one of the last times I'll be able to impart Twitter knowledge on someone, but I said, someone who says ratio is 16 years old and you don't have to listen to them. And he said, I'm 14. And then as he kept trying to punk us, Bobby and I just had our own joyful conversation. And at one point, I just told him, 
um, you should listen to the podcast. It's pretty good. Let us know what you think. And he's like, I will. He's like, I bet. I'll check it out. I was like, you yeah. No, Your Twitter no. handle is like Al Horford season. Yeah. <laughs> First of all, you don't talk like that. <laughs> uh, yeah. So that was a fun time. Um, but yeah, so that was obviously a big blow to the family. So if you know Twitter, ask him specifically to let Bobby go. Um, but another thing happened a few weeks ago, and obviously it's a little bit of, in a weird way, old news. But I think that kind of strikes everything about it that's weird. Two fucking ships went into space, and it's old news, and when I think about it, I don't have joyful feelings, even though everybody got back safe. And I'm not saying I wanted people to die, but... I did. wanted persons to die. Also, um, you know, um, in Super Smash Bros. on N64, the last person you fight is a glove, a huge glove. Yeah. Imagine that glove on both sides of space, doing quotation marks. <laughs> Because I think Richard Branson of Virgin, what is, was he a record label? And then he was... Then it was Mobile. Mobile. Something. Was, he's, he's like the guy home. that you know because he has like blonde. He looks like um, Will Ferrell's character from Eastbound and Down if he was on a wave runner all the time. He looks like my dad if things went better. Oh. Huh. I, haven't I don't seen know if that helps anyway. Really trust you. <laughs> I feel like mine is a little more descriptive for a larger audience, but I believe you. To a few people, that's like spot on. So Richard Branson of Virgin, um, being a virgin, went into quote unquote space, which is defined by I think Europe as like fifty miles uh, off Earth, and then came back, and then Richard Brent, and he was the first self-funded person to go into space, and then. Jeff Bezos and Blue Odyssey, whatever the fuck his thing is called, his yeah. space venture is called, went 62 and a half miles into space, which is the American definition of getting through the atmosphere. So these guys went to quote unquote space. Yeah. Now, I don't want to say that's unimpressive. What I want to say is, what a fucking slap in the face everything they did around it. Now, I don't think any of us have to be uh, geniuses to understand why it's upsetting that Jeff Bezos would thank us and all of his employees pissing bottles um, for, you know, helping to fund his ship. Uh, but it was Branson who, who just made me, like, want to gag. Branson floating in midair of, quote-unquote, space. He looks at the camera and he says, Kids, you can do anything you want. You know, you just gotta believe. You are a tall white man who is like in control of telecommunications in all of Australia, part of America and Europe. Like, you have so much money. And this is a dream that is very much the stereotypical dream of a kid. I'm going to go to space. I'm going to go to the moon specifically, you know, actually do something. Um, but I want to go to space. And you're told if you work hard and you study, you know, you can get a degree and go to NASA and get picked. Nobody ever said, if you work hard, your online book selling business might diversify and sell butt plugs. So those, those two things are so completely disconnected now from what we always knew. I'm not talking about the American dream. Like a lot of people talk about, I'm talking about we are kids, you know, what's the craziest thing you could ever want as a dream. There's a dollar price on it now. And, We'll just never get there. 
Yeah, and there was a little bit of this back in the day. I don't actually know what ended up happening with this, but I know that Lance Bass was like famously on the list to go into orbit or whatever back in the day. Yeah. But just that you can do whatever you want to do is such like um, fucking capitalist bullshit. Like we got we got five presidents in and then the next one we had the son of a president. Like you can't, you, you frankly can't be whatever you want to be. It's, it depends on not only your, you know, genetics, how hard you work, stuff that is like your fault and not your fault. It's luck, timing, all stuff like that. Like it's, it's truly is not within your control. And the idea that it is just reinforces like lack of regulations, lack of safety nets, all of that stuff, because it's like, you can do whatever you want as like a free market dream. Absolutely. And it's just not true. And we were talking about this a little bit earlier. People look at space like it is this special thing that, you know, we don't get to obviously explore a lot, but you're not telling me these men did anything for space. Like at, at the moment, if you can prove me wrong, go, you know, continue to do that and do it because you're going to fucking do it anyway. But, um, you know, I was even on, you know, my dumbass was on Reddit for once. Um, and I go to our space and they're talking about Elon Musk was the, they got approval for using reusable rockets or rockets that, you know, previously they would just use them once but they could reuse them. And they were rockets to put payloads into satellites. That's all they were. They were literally going to be military payloads ready to shoot at other countries at any time. And I started to talk about how, like, this isn't helpful and stuff like that. And people are jumping on me because they're Elon fans. But they're like, oh, like, what do you know about space? And I'm like, what do you know about space? This is military. <laughs> like, <laughs> Reddit might be the worst place to try to argue about something Elon Musk does. Because like, Reddit's target audience is yeah. like, and Elon's target fanboys are the exact same people it's like a venn diagram that's a circle yeah and i think it's kind of funny though that you know we're talking about um jeff bezos right now and i know it's similar to having with bill gates who did not go to space surprisingly but jeff bezos like his wife divorced him and immediately was like i'm gonna give all my money away and the only thing she hasn't said is probably in an nda which is jeff bezos is the worst fucking person to ever exist it's also worth noting that Bill Gates did a similar thing, saying he's going to give away all his money, and he's now worth a lot more yeah. than he was at the time because that was in the mid '90s, and the stock market uh, only <laughs> over over any period of time more than three years only goes up anymore. Um, so if you're giving all your money away, you're still probably going to end up with more um, and get good press for what you have given away. Yeah. And also, if these guys wanted to do something for space, like. I don't know. Again, you you know how Cody and I feel about um, systems of government and economies. But I, I think that if they, you know, legitimately wanted to do anything for mankind's ability to get to and thrive in space, which I think the ability to thrive in space is bullshit anyway, they would pull the resources. But uh, we live under capitalism and so it has to be competition instead of these guys working together and like paying people to figure shit out 
for the sake of figuring shit out as opposed to for the sake of getting 12 miles higher into the atmosphere. Yeah, so there, there's basically two ways to look at space from what I've seen that's not like a scientific, just like exploratory. It's the colonization or it's the fence. Both bullshit. Both bullshit. Both complete bullshit. <laughs> the colonization, even if you figured that out, which again, feel free to prove me wrong because you're going to do that shit anyway and probably not going to work. But even if you figure that out, the billionaires are writing the rules from the, the get-go. There's no even, like, veil of it. Like, the Jeff Bezos, the Richard Branson's, the Elon Musk, they, they're making the space rules right away. I think Elon Musk has gone as far as to, like, say that he would claim wherever he got to so that he would be able to make these rules. And the rules would be, there are no rules, it's free market, whatever shit. He's a little fucking libertarian Reddit shithead, but... Yeah. I mean, even if those start out as the rules, if he is the one that has the power to make the rules, which he would be, being the funding behind it, um, yeah, he's like, he's the un, he's like the shadow lurking behind you that you always know can come get you at any point. Yeah, and I, I think that's the funny thing to me is I was probably worried about Bezos for such a long time as like a person who might like steer us into the destruction of the earth. But Elon is just like that special mix of, you know, slipping on the banana right next to the big red button that says do not push versus the guy who's saying, can we get some more big red buttons that say do not push in here too? Like, it's just ridiculous what he sets himself up for, which kind of brings me up to the next side of it with colonization being kind of you know, the biggest undertaking possible, there's some people say, okay, let's be conservative then, let's least defend ourselves. Well, what's coming out lately? UFO files. We talked about this at length in our last podcast. Yes, and we talked about it, and you can listen to that, and I hope you do. But the whole point is they've been releasing more and more and more and more UFO files, and one person was talking um, recently about how they believe it should be, uh, you know, considered enough evidence to you know, go forward with defense. They were saying, like, okay, here are all the files that say that, you know, it's thousands of years ahead of us in terms of technology. They can move this speed. They could probably cause this much destruction. And that guy's <laughs> response was, so we need to start funding against it. It reminds you of the kind of guy that's like, I need to have, you know, my non-automatic AR-15 in case the government tries to come for my guns. And it's like, I, I'm like sympathetic to you if you feel that way about the government, but at the same time, be realistic. Like, if, if they want to come for you, it's first of all, it's not just going to be you because you're not the protagonist of reality. Um, but more in line with the UFO advanced alien technology thing, like, it's not going to fucking do anything. Like, yeah. we're not going to advance 2,000 years in technology because we spend $500 billion more a year yeah. on, like, the military. We, we're probably, honestly, at the marginal end of how much our dollars can buy in military advancements because we spend so fucking much on it. Yeah, and if you're thinking, hey, Bobby and Cody, then what does that mean? Because if we can't colonize... And we can't run away in this space, then how are we going to survive? Well, that's the thing. We have a planet, um, 
and we've been ignoring it. It's our fucking fault. And the reality is, we're probably not the protagonist of the universe and coming to an end, which is yeah. unfortunate. There's really two states of mind that you can have about it, I think. The, the first is, uh, we are humans. We've been here forever. If we want to survive, what we need to do is decarbonize and you know slow down um, both... GDPs everywhere because that requires more spending and more uh, carbon output and including and I fucking dread this uh, like using less air conditioning and stuff in the summer even as it gets hotter Um, there's that or there's colonization which first of all no one is going to be able to afford to do second of all we're not there's no way we are going to be able to advance technologically enough in the time that we have left to get out there. And so either we're fucked or 3% of us are not fucked. What, what is the better or you know what I mean? Like either we, either we can slow things down enough and like save the planet so that at least if New Jersey and half of California and Miami get swallowed, we have the rest of the country well, and I, I think that's the thing, is the way we're talking, sure, it, it sounds defeatist, but it's kind of what we've been left with. I mean, we're not the ones who, you know, set up the recycling program to be told now that they were never recycling those. <laughs> like, Dude, we got to find the ProPublica uh, study about that and, and tweet it out. One of the biggest fucking scams of all time. Oh, my God. <laughs> it's, it's so upset because it's basically just saying, like, you probably notice a little bit of a theme of this episode, and it's a little bit of dread, and we get that. But, you know, there's a point right now where there's a lot of realities, and, you know, let's talk about vaccines for a second. I don't trust them. But let's go colonize the moon. I'll get on this spaceship. No, that's not... That's, that doesn't go together. You can't be the one who's <laughs> against the vaccine and you're going to help us colonize the moon. No. Well, here's the thing. The vaccines are the government. You yeah. know, they're developed by several different private corporations that are putting their reputations on the line. I, I have a theory. But colonization is free market, even though it's exactly the same thing. I want to say, I think, personally... Men in Black is just an allusion to an actual military or a government group. Aliens are already living amongst us, and the one thing that will kill them a little Sucking bit of bison. My dick. What? What? <laughs> yeah, the vaccine. You're making me getting my dick sucked. <laughs> I mean, that would be rare, but no, the vaccine would kill these aliens. Um, no, but like the, that's the thing is that's the only thing in my head. Like, if I could get that to catch on. Like that, I, I can't think of a logical way to get people to get vaccinated. I have to think, okay, what's the what? What can I make them want to run away from more? The idea that they're illegal to this country? No, that doesn't really make any sense. No, they're whole illegal to this planet because conspiracy theorists will run with it in one way or another, and that's what I would hope for. I wouldn't know how to start that. You want to know why? Because I'm not fucking insane and creating conspiracy <laughs> theories right now. Got to be a little bit insane. Hey, I've definitely got that kind of energy. I just, uh, I don't know. I, I, I care too much about the key. It's We need, like, Mel Gibson's character from the Lethal Weapon movies to be president. Honestly. Because he can understand the mindset of the insane and speak to it. 
but he also gets shit done, regardless of whether or not he has his badge and gun. Well, and that's the thing, too. It's like, you know, so we talk about the dream of, okay, I want to be president. I'm at the point where my dream is that I someday don't have to think about the president so much. I think that was, um, you know, like half the country's dream in 2020, and that's why we have Joe Biden and not Bernie Sanders. Yeah, and the reality for me is that now I think about the president more because I don't like Joe Biden, I don't like what he does, but there is this moment, though, where you really start to think, okay, that kid, tell him, her, them, anything, you know, like, you can do anything, do it right. And then you watch the path to get there, and you say, okay, yeah, Joe Biden, because of this, but watch every single, you know, primary and things like that. Watch how weird momentum gets caught, and people have to drop out for this reason, and look, there's only a hundred... Or so senators, I don't remember if they give one to anybody else. It's hundred senators. Okay, I couldn't remember if Puerto <laughs> Rico or DC counted. They don't. They awesome, sure good to know. <laughs> um, so there's a hundred senators. That's very rare to be one of those. There are females. There are people of color. There are even you know um, people who are part of the LGBTQ community plus IA. And, you know, there's people that are represented now in the senator races. But at the end of the day. Still, the percentages are even probably less than now than making the NFL or like making the NBA, but staying there. I mean, it would have to. <laughs> that was just for Bobby. <laughs> I mean, there's, um, what is it, 400? I'm just going to say 420 roster spots in the NBA. <laughs> there's 100 Senate seats, so yeah, it's a lot less likely. There's just one president, too. Yeah, and it's not to say, though, like, it's not to say you. You can't do it. But then... But you fucking cannot. You, it's already you a low... Can't. It's already a low percentage, but so is playing the lottery. Here's where I'm saying that you probably have a better chance of uh, winning the lottery. Um, were you born into the Biden family? No? Okay, you already have a leg down right now, because that would really help you. Uh, were you born into the Obama family? Are you married to Barack Obama? Because apparently that also gives you a chance to have your name thrown out. Now I know Michelle is actually very good, and I probably would have liked her more as president than Barack personally. Uh, I disagree. I think she's been able to keep her reputation as being very good, precisely because she's never run for political office. Well, I think it might also just be because I already know Barack's bad, and she's just the monster I don't know. But either way... Um, if she wanted to make a real difference in American politics, she would have run for president in 2016. She would have won in a landslide. She didn't want to. She wanted to start a Netflix documentary company and make money. I understand yeah. it, but it's very foolish to lionize her in any way. I'm not saying that Cody is doing that. I'm just saying to uh, oh, I don't give a shit about <laughs> to it. anyone that would be doing that. Yeah, I don't give a shit. But uh, what I'm saying though is those people. In those circles, you know, coming from the current party in the house, like holding everything right now, the, I mean, the power. But, you know, they're holding democratically. If you're part of those families, you know, you would say, hey, look, look they have a chance. I mean, if Bo Biden was still alive, he would, you know, already probably been on the Senate trail. He was an attorney general of Delaware. He was, he was very charismatic. He was probably more charismatic than his father. Hunter's very charismatic, for being frank. Yeah, he just has a bit of a reputation. Um, but, you know, Bo was already an elected official, fortunately struck down because of brain cancer. Um, 
it was very upsetting because for me, even knowing that like his father, I never agreed with his father and I probably would have not agreed with this guy as much because he probably would have been just a liberal, not so much a leftist. I would also say that we both probably would have agreed with his father at prior times in our lives. Sure. Yeah. I, I mean, I was from Delaware, so it's probably a little biased. Um, but I could tell Bo is a kind person. And I, I think Joe thinks he's a kind person, but I think Joe is also a little creepy in ways he can't recognize. Like, yeah. I, I mean, I, I get in this argument, and it's an interesting conversation, I think, um, is the difference between like interpersonal kindness versus how much your beliefs what your beliefs make you as a person. Yeah. Because, like, I know people that are very kind to me personally, try to help me out personally, try to help everyone that they know personally. But I also know that if they were had any sort of power, their beliefs would fuck people over. Mm-hmm. And I... Being from where I'm from, which is, like, sort of a, whatever, blue-collar um, neighborhood or area, I always wonder... You know, when people say you should not be friends with Trump supporters or whatever, I'm like, they're not doing anything. But also, if they did, if they had the ability to do something, it would probably not be good. So I just, like, wrestle with myself. And I'm sure a lot of people wrestle with this as well. I wrestle with myself saying, how much does what you believe make you a bad person versus your your ability to enact what you believe and call the material harm make you a bad person. Yeah, I think you're just uh, wrestling with self-actualization at this point. Because that's the reality that is really hard here, is that no matter what our goals are in life, you know, whether we want to be the astronaut or we want to be someone who owns an ice cream truck, self-actualization is basically realizing who you are, being comfortable with who you are, and being comfortable with who you are in the environment you were in so it's basically kind of in its own way a nirvana but for an actual you know state of mind to be you know even though things are bad i do the things that i can do and i'm okay with that you know and it it doesn't necessarily mean that you are a good person either there's people who are self-actualized actually anyway but there's people self-actualized just going down on someone yeah. So, but there's people who are self-actualized, but they're not doing good things. And it's just like, that's more of an internal thing. So that's where it comes down to those dreams and things like that, I think. Because dreams, when you let them go, you let them die, you see them slip away, whatever circumstance that happens, you're the one who reconciles to that. And I've had dreams where I go, I don't want to do that. I just don't care. I, it was just a dream I had because I was into it at the time. And I had dreams that were basically, you know, it gutted me that they were gone, but it was just easier to not have the burden of that idea that I wasn't that or I'd have to do this much just to catch up to that. You know, we've all done those things. Um, but it's getting harder and harder to say, maybe I'll do a little extra special when... There's people just trying to find the ways to either buy the special or sell the special. I mean, the whole idea of the NFT was kind of just hilarious for a bit because I think I just saw a tweet was the guy who um, he spent $250,000 on an NFT and then people just kept copying it and asking him for money to take it down. <laughs> and he's like, I should have just bought a house. It's like, 
Didn't maybe didn't yeah. Andre Drummond put out an NFT for like fifty thousand dollars of himself and the highest bid? Well, like he just signed the Sixers, so I might be hitting that up soon. So I get it. Well, I think the tweet that pointed it out po- drove it was at like thirteen dollars. They drove it up to twenty seven by tweeting about it. It's probably up to like a hundred and ten now. I don't know. He probably bought his own if he saw it. He just signed a nice new uh, $1 million contract. Um, but yeah, like I think it's just one of those things though where you know, th- there was the one player, I don't remember who it was. Um, it might have been you know, a top player. but he, I'm going to guess Spencer Dinwiddie. No, it wasn't Spencer Dinwiddie. He was one of the players going into the draft. He was announcing that he was going to the draft via an NFT that you could buy. Ugh. And all I could think of was what is this? Like, and it, all it looked like was, like, a playing card, sort of, and I'm like, but you tweeted it. I don't even understand what I'm buying. Like, do I own your memory? Like, is this... It's one of the... NFTs are one of the shorter-term grifts yeah. I've seen. Because, like, you know, I, I still have money in crypto and shit because of the greater fool feel theory. I'm just like, I don't believe in this at all, but I know that... Uh, Reddit has a lot of people on it, so it's probably going to go back up again. Um, but NFTs were like, they were big for like two months, and now nothing is worth anything. Like, yeah, I mean, man, I, that was short and so embarrassing if you got into it. Well, because I, I, there was no sustainability to it, and I guess there will be some people who will make out big sometime down in the future when. You know, three decades from now, they're like, I bought one of the seven NFTs that ever got actually, you know, delivered. Um, and maybe that means something monetarily, but like at the end of the day, it's just like, it's like penny stocks and stuff. It's like selling somebody the idea that they're like a high art broker or something, you know, and sometimes some of the crypto, it's like, hey, like, you know, <laughs> crypto, <laughs> I'm laughing a little bit because... Uh, crypto is starting to get a little too much like the Patty Stylers episode from uh, It's Always Sunny. We're just like, not that cryptos work like Patty Dollars, but nobody seems to understand how the economy works and just keeps trying to explain like, well, we'll just put the Patty Dollars out there and they'll come back in and buy more beer that will have Patty Dollars. We'll give it out. And I'm just like, you know, with the crypto mining and stuff like that, which is now considered to be like environmentally bad and they're destroying the computers the supply is going to go down. So maybe that'll drive the price up. But nobody seems to be saying that. Everybody keeps seems to be really upset that's happening because they're like, oh, we can't mine more Bitcoin. Idiots. Like, you're going to... It's going to choke the supply. You will have a higher amount. Like, your value will go up. Like, you're not getting more Bitcoin. They are. The people mining it. So yeah. I, I've talked before about my good friend from high school who's way into Bitcoin. So I see all kinds of arguments about this shit. And, um, you know, he is all in on the fact that decarbonization is like a government scam. Cause like, you know how much coal goes into making like electric stuff? It's like, okay, yeah, that's true. And it's like, but Bitcoin, it uses gas flares that would otherwise just get wasted to mine Bitcoin. And it finds efficiencies because if you find somewhere where electricity costs less or you can power yourself with less, you can mine Bitcoin with it. And it's like, yeah, that makes sense. But it only makes sense if you're coming from the position that you are, that Bitcoin is intrinsically valuable to people. If yeah. not, then it's still 
you can mine as much Bitcoin as you want. It's all fucking waste because it doesn't mean anything and doesn't advance anything. So it's just like this bullshit. Yeah, is using up energy. Yeah, there was a guy who was like trying to like tell people how to set up your bit uh, rig at a uh, Starbucks, so you could just like buy a lot of uh, like or basically steal, I guess, a lot of um, electricity en- energy from them, Wi-Fi, I guess. I don't know. And they did the study though, and they're like, it still just costs more money, like, to do. And like, in the end, he's just gonna run his whatever he dragged into Starbucks into the ground. He won't make enough that'll matter. And Starbucks is gonna eventually figure out what the fuck people are doing because he generating less money than the electricity is costing. So at the end of the day, regardless of who's incurring the cost, you're telling me Bitcoin is a net loss in existence. To create Bitcoin, we need to lose money. Well, just so that people like have an understanding, that's true in that particular area. The idea behind this Bitcoin is good for the environment or whatever thing is that people will find places where electricity is less expensive and move there and use that less expensive electricity to mine Bitcoin. And so in, there, in those places, for example, Puerto Rico after the hurricane. Because of all the devastation that was wrought, apparently, if you went there, electricity was very cheap. And so the electricity was so cheap that you could make a lot of money mining Bitcoin because your the amount of Bitcoin you could mine was less than the cost of the electricity. But who does that help? Just the, it, it helps the, the miners. See, again, this is, where, <laughs> this is what it comes back to. If, <laughs> if you think that Bitcoin, as these people do, the true believers, has an intrinsic value First of all, will become really important for humanity in the future. Second of all, is like, as they believe it is, like an alien technology that will, like, save human freedom from the tyranny of government. Then, yeah, that is worth the money and energy spent. If you think that it's, like, mostly bullshit and you don't believe in it, then all of that is a fucking waste. Well, I think here's where I finally landed, and maybe this is why I'm even more against Bitcoin, but... Any game you can win. I mean, the house usually wins is what you know they say about casinos. It's very true about a lot of people who dip their toes in the stock market, and I'm sure a lot of people who are novices that dip their toes into the crypto market. Well, I'm sure your friend kills because he. Didn't... Oh, he has fucking killed, dude. Yeah, <laughs> he was in on he... this in like 2013. Yeah, I'm sure he <laughs> kills and takes advantage of a lot of those things. But at the end of the day, for me, I. It's a new form of money that people are putting their trust in, and I'm losing trust in my retirement account. Not because I think it's gonna lose value, or that I'm gonna, the stock market's gonna crash, or I'm gonna mismanage it or something. I don't really know if when I get there, if the retirement age is gonna be 65 and I'm gonna live long enough. And that's not because I'm a you know such a negative person. I know I have some medical issues, so part of me is thinking. Should I just cash out, take the tax hit, and live life a little bit? But let's say, okay, well, I'm not living for money, and I've got this nest egg for now that I'm still trying to worry about. Um, but just sitting here, I work my job, I pay my bills, I, I spend on little things here and there that I like. I'm set for now, I'm set for the future. But where does my purpose out of my 9 to 5 come from? And a lot of it is this podcast, a lot of it is my streaming, but 
it's been so much clearer to me now that not because of the pandemic and not even because of my age, but just because of my desire to, uh, you know, play some of the politics we talk about, whether it's politics or not, it's kind of shrunken the dream field for me in a lot of ways. And I think, you know, we even talked about it today joking, like, you know, Twitter seems like such a small thing, but that's how we became friends. That's how you met is that's how we've made our whole network. And, you know, now you're going back to reading books. So yeah. after that whole tirade, I just wanted to just ask, like, how's it feel to be a fucking nerd? <laughs> so, uh, a couple of things. First of all, like you said, we met from Twitter. I met my fiance from Twitter. Um, a lot of the people, all basically all my friends from growing up in college do not live in the city. So I get to see them very rarely. The people that I hang out with are the people that I met from Twitter. These are all not just online connections, which are themselves um, meaningful. These are interpersonal connections. And it reminds me of the NFT thing because I feel like in its um, attempt to monetize um, uniqueness, yeah, it loses the value of physical or interpersonal, um, you know, sort of touch. Because what it aims to do, or probably not what it aims to do as a um, technology, but what some of it aims to do for, like, artists is to make them money by giving someone a, a unique thing. But that all depends on everyone else valuing essentially a barcode or a 30-odd character string of numbers as opposed to just seeing something. And that is just completely different than seeing a work of art in person. It aims to replicate that, but it's completely different. Copying and pasting an NFT as opposed to having a print of the Mona Lisa, are not in any way comparable, even if they want to make you think that they are. And I don't mean to devalue Twitter relationships because they're, they can be super fruitful, but the way that I have done them, a lot of them have led to real-life interpersonal friendships. And I don't know. I just don't like... The thing that pissed me off about NFTs more than just the fact that they are just a grift is that fact, that they devalue um, physical, personal experience. Now, being a nerd uh, has... <laughs> reading books and stuff has sucked. The way that I've dealt with being um, wrongfully banned from Twitter, uh, free booby underscore styles, is that I've... First, I've made an RSS feed... Uh, like it's 2005 um, with a bunch of websites to try to try to keep up on news. Thank God for Gawker, first of all, <laughs> coming back because it's helped me keep up on like the minor things that are funny, but that wouldn't get an article on, in the Atlantic or whatever. And I've also like started trying to read books again. We'll see how long that goes. Well, to be fair, I've, I've tried to also 
read books again and it's not some internal drive to like be snooty or anything um I actually just saw like a deal on a Kindle and I realized I have a lot of things that I probably could read better by scrolling and I had a lot of paperback books that I still wanted to read um and you know I want to get excited about that kind of journey again through a book I know some of them probably won't be that because they might be a little bit more instructional but I have these visions they're not like visions like raven like seeing the future to me just you know it's daydreams um you know of music videos to scenes to plot points of a show that doesn't quite work yet in my head and i don't think i'll ever be able to write it and i have it mapped out somewhat i've written some things and it's to me now my my end dream to someday realize this piece together like it's you know my my magnum opus um but it's so weird to me because i remember when i was a kid i legitimately wanted to be rich and famous i wanted it to be me i wanted to be the popular one i wanted to be the good one and now i just want my work to reflect it and i was thinking today kind of you know thinking this would be Somewhat of the episode we were doing, but I was even thinking, you know, like, you know, what what's the legacy? You know, NFTs, you know, uh, the guy who did it for his track, you know, he wanted it to be the, a legacy of, of this moment. And maybe some, you know, Kings of Leon, I think they were the first band to sell an album. Not that that was probably good, but they wanted to be immortalized as the first band, you know, to release an album that way. And I was just thinking, you know, like... People, you know, you think, are they going to remember you as a good person or a bad person? That depends on who you ask. But even when I screw up, I realize I've just gotten way more motivated to try to figure out a way to be a nicer, kinder person than when I was a kid. And I would say, well, fuck that person who doesn't want to talk to me. I'll go write some stand-up jokes that one day will be funny. Like... I think that's been a big thing for me, is especially in this isolation. I, I've started to care more, a little bit more about those interpersonal relationships, kind of the way you're saying. And, you know, I was even telling you guys, as my friends, I had a moment of real bad paranoia. I, I didn't really trust anybody. And there were some things that drove that I'm not going to get into. But, you know, my dreams now are much more just kind of, I guess, uh, as the kids would call it, vibes. You know, but I mean, you know what I'm saying, though. Yeah. Just like, not so much things that I feel like I need to have as much as I really want to go through certain grooves of life that I feel like I haven't experienced yet and still have that opportunity to. Yeah. And this is so fucking lame, but I'll bet that anyone who's been like, you know, banned from Twitter or whatever, logged off, has, like, thought about it. I've thought about, like, and I, I had, like, a fear of this, if this ever happened, that I would, like, disappear from Twitter and people wouldn't notice it or, like, be the worse off for it. They might say in three months, oh, I haven't seen Booby tweet, and then they'd go to my profile and see that I'm suspended and they'd just be like, whatever. And, I mean, I think 
I've done that with other people if they log off for a little bit. Um, even big people. I remember like a year, two years ago, there was a couple of days where I hadn't seen Tyler tweet. And I just, his, I just DM'd him. I was like, yo, are you good, man? And he's like, yeah, I just had a tough couple of days. Yeah. And it's just like, man, we, because we follow so many people, like, even is is the person that probably follows the least people that we know, and she follows like three hundred seventy. It's like there's so many people that if someone just disappears, it's hard to notice. And yeah. I was always like, if I just disappeared, I bet people wouldn't notice. And for the most part, it seems like that's been true. Yeah, but you haven't. Been but there it's to also see every single tweet asking where you are, which is none of them. I haven't seen them either. I I mean I'm gonna. I've searched for a couple. What? <laughs> yeah, I've, I've like searched for like my name to see if people are missing me. They're not. Only I'm... only once has somebody like referenced me um, after like that I didn't think knew me, and I think I think we're friends now and stuff. But they were talking about uh, the allegations I drunkenly made on the Fourth of July about a man who. Uh, all those allegations were, were true about. True about. <laughs> and somebody said, wow, Coderan was right. I was like, what? <laughs> Old school John. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean, even <laughs> when I remember I walked away from the Coderan Twitter account because I wanted to do a, a big break. And of course, I came back with straight hands and got Coderan suspended via um, parody, parody, parody. Um, literal parodies. Not well enough, though. Uh you know, and it was, it was a little bit of a, you know, a moment when Codran got banned. You know, you think about all those tweets that you used to have. And there were people who didn't know when I came back and streamed hands with me. I mean, it took a while. I, I had one person who had DM'd me and it was like the last person who'd ever DM'd me on Codran. And I like logged back in to check something else. And I never read it at the time. They never put it together with me. It's like... And I never even knew that they DM me, so it was just like kind of this disconnect. And um, I think that's just one of those things where you know you, you kind of bind your identity. And I think that's why you know it, it's been hard for me to ever say that streamed hands is my Twitch, is because I still feel like Code Rand's there. Code Rand doesn't exist on Twitter anymore. I I transferred into Twitch. Yeah, like that's sort of like. I guess cringe or embarrassing as it can be to say, like, I spent so much time and sent so many goddamn tweets on that account that it's very humbling to realize the thing that I always thought, which is that, um, I don't, I don't know if David Foster Wallace, like, invented this, probably not, but I mostly think of it coming from him in Infinite Jest, where he's like, you'll think a lot less about what people think about you when you realize how little they think about you. And it's like, oh man, I, <laughs> I'm gone and it really has no effect on anything except like me. Well, but I'm, I'm trying and be, let me be clear. There's, let me be clear. <laughs> There's no way that I'm staying off Twitter for a long time. Yeah, I'm going to try to hold out, but I'm going to come back as a, a low follower account guy we're gonna find Twitter on the street. We're gonna ask. Yeah, I need I need to fill my time. There's not there's not enough books um, that will keep my attention. There's not enough articles on Defector and TNR and The Ringer that will keep my attention. I'll, I'll, although I will try to 
let them keep my attention and stay off. I'm, I'm going to be back, but, um, yeah, I'm just trying to, like, maybe internalize the fact that, like, no one cares that much about you that is not already friends with you or that would have become friends with you. So just, like, maybe care less about what people think on there instead of embarrassing yourself all the time with dumb jokes. Yeah, and I think that's part of the reason why when I came back, I had that really kind of, it's still there sometimes, nasty streak towards politicians and stuff is because I wasn't trying to impress people for jokes and followers anymore. I was just, I had a voice that I could use and it was starting to get very frustrating and realizing that Twitter's not the place to do that stuff. And I just, I had to pull myself back to be a little bit more jokey and get a couple barbs in, you know, a day or two at a time. But I love Stranger Things. Yeah. No, but, you know, talking about some of the things that you were talking about, though, with, you know, even Infinite Jest, it, I thought about this recently, you know, we talk about the, the government, we don't like wars we've gotten into, and other, you know, countries that we, uh, you know, have, like, relations with, we talk about things in our own state that are, like, you know, messed up, our teams that we love so much that just drive us crazy, you know, like, we ingest all that news and stuff like that. And you realize there's probably going to be some moment later where you're going to be reaching into your fridge and you're going to be deciding, do I want water or do I want a soda or I want a beer, like stuff like that. And if you really just kind of tuned into your presence, and I'm not saying anything that it hasn't already been taught by people, but like being present is always the most calming thing because generally where you are, as long as you're not in an emergency situation you are yourself, it's just going better than everything that happened to you is going to happen to you. Like even the things that you are have on your mind constantly, if they haven't happened yet, really nothing's happening. You're just, you're beating yourself up with it. And I, I gotta say, I'm the worst at doing it. You know, I am, but you know, it, it was something that kind of, you know, opened my eyes too. It's just, when we think about the interactions we have as people, we forget so much about how it's just so complex, the levels of life that we have Twitter friends and we have real life friends and we have those Twitter friends that are really toeing the line of real life friends that we kind of miss when we get kicked off. Yeah. And there's some of them that we don't want them to forget us because we got egos, but we would remember them. Yeah. Like I said, like it took me a couple days to like realize that Tyler, one of the most, one of the best and most prolific tweeters that I wasn't seeing it. Yeah. Like, who the fuck am I? You know what I realized today, though? And this is so embarrassing. Um, so there's this guy that I watch on Twitch. He's like a... He's not a... He's like the Bloodborne streamer. Maybe. Uh, his Twitch is Jesus Here's Toast. Might have seen that once. He's fun to watch, but I was like in his chat. And I, like, found myself, like, saying stuff, like, complimentary about him or, like, getting into arguments. <laughs> I was just, like, this is, like, even more ephemeral than Twitter. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm begging for this guy's, like, positive attention or I'm, like, ah. getting in an argument with... Because people were saying, like, uh, they, they shouldn't make uh, FromSoft games like an easy mode. And I was, like, well, I didn't get into this much of an argument because I was, like, these people are fucking morons. But I was, like... The, Easy mode for people who have, like, disabilities would be good, so they can play a yeah. great game. And they're like, well, not every game has to be for everyone. I was like, all right, you're 
fucking moron. Like, I don't yeah. need to get into this with you. And, like, he is being kind of a shithead because he's kind of a shithead, even though he's, like, mostly funny and good. I'm just, like, I'm, like, so fucking desperate for attention that I just want this kind of... Hey, I'm like, yeah, movie, I am good at blood porn. <laughs> I mean, I do that now on Twitch, and I'm a, a streamer, and I want that. But that's different from a streamer's perspective because, like, interacting with an audience, like... Yeah. Helps I, keep the audience as opposed to being in the audience. Yeah, but I'm talking about I go to other people's audiences and oh, I turn into the same thing. But I, I, it's I, so fucking embarrassing. Yeah, but you know, and I'm gonna keep doing it. And, and one day I hope I have you know that type of community where it is just constant chat, you know, one after the other. I mean, I have good conversations with my friends and people who drop by, and but you know, I think the thing is that there's a couple of people I follow who have. Actually, like, one of them has influence at Twitch because she works there. One of them is just a game designer um, who's, like, you know, was one of the first people I saw was, like, yelling ACAB at everything and stuff like that and wasn't worried about any potential ban on that because she was like, I'm not afraid to say this shit. And they're so good at being, like, you know, you know, streaming. And they're both female, so, of course, they get shit every once in a while. And they are just so good at being, like, well, why do I have, you know, like, you know, disability, and, you know, they, they really shut it down, and they don't, like, you know, put themselves on top of the person, like, I got this big job, so I, but they just say, like, hey, look, I don't accept that here. I'm literally streaming, so I don't know how you can tell me I can't stream, it's happening, so get the fuck out. They just, like, they just shut it down, and they do a great job of it, and I've definitely been in those chats where people are toxic, toxic as shit. I mean, I went on to one of Bernie's Twitches one time, and of course, there's maggot trolls and stuff, too, and want to say the worst thing they could possibly say. So, you know, anywhere that you're going to get people together, you're going to have, you know, that, uh, I guess, combativeness. But it is kind of weirder when you're, like, watching that one central figure that really is the yeah. person you're supposed to get the attention. You want their attention, and they have all the power. Because, like, yesterday, this guy, I he just streams, like, 8 to 5, or, like, 8 to 4, Bloodborne every day so I'm like that's during my work day I'll just throw it up on the other screen people were like coming in and trolling and like saying like oh your chat's cringe or whatever and they were like timing him out and like get the fuck out of there like defending the chat but then it's yeah. like a lot of the people in the chat first of all are cringe second of all they kept fucking toxic opinions if I was the center of attention for like five years and was like known as the best person at a video game I can't say that I I mean knowing where I was like five years ago politically i can't say that i would have grown in the way that i have so i give them a little more leeway i'll just be like i don't fucking care what you think because you're an idiot <laughs> and they're more kids even on twitch than they're on yeah. twitter I, I forget that on twitter a lot because of the these abbeys that are always yeah so the, the guy we were talking about earlier the al horford season yeah, it's always <laughs> about when, he, yeah. when i was like oh he's 16 he was like actually 14 i was like jesus and, and i was you, trying to give you a little credit and you know and you're like <laughs> you slap your head you know, even before they give themselves away, but they, deep down you're like, no, maybe it's somebody who's just really funny and trolling and Al Horford. Nope, this motherfucker really likes Al Horford. Okay, this is weird. Or it might be that they're trolling, but it's like a weird troll because yeah. they're 14 and they don't know how to do it. In favor of Al Horford, which, yeah. you know, I don't, hates trolling. I don't blame those kids, man. I don't fucking, like, my MySpace yeah, when I, I was 14 years old is probably really fucking oh i'm i'm definitely much more upset at the things that are on my uh twitter today than things that would have been on my twitter at 14 not because of uh like horrible words i'm saying just because i'm an adult and i should be doing something else 
<laughs> Should we talk about the Matt Damon thing? <laughs> oh, yeah, we, we gotta talk about this for a second. Here's another reason why I have no more dreams Shit, left. man, that is so spiked. I'm way too close to the mic. <laughs> yeah, you, you laughed your ass off. Uh, yeah, so, so I fun, I can't have dreams anymore because I don't have the cognitive dissonance of Matt Damon. <laughs> so, what we're talking about is Matt Damon. I saw this because um, a music writer said, what? Why would Matt Damon volunteer that? So he searched. <laughs> <laughs> Matt Damon uh, stopped using the F slur after his daughter wrote like a impassioned treatise against it. Yeah, and here here's the funniest part. He originally said, "Come on, I said it and stuck on me." As if that's <laughs> the defense he needed. And then later claimed, "I've never used the F slur." You literally just used the movie stuck on me to defend chasing it. No, man, I used it in date movies. I was in character. Look, if you were stuck to Greg Kinnear, what would you have done? So he like made so he made a joke. His daughter like wrote him an essay about it. He was like proud of his daughter. Yeah, and again, like. Yeah, you, you can only put yourself in someone as rich and famous as Matt Damon's shoes so much. Like, there's a famous story that I read on Cracked years ago about how Eminem was like on cribs or something, like showing, like proudly showing someone like a shelf of pornography DVDs, and they're like, you know, like porn is free. Everyone, <laughs> yeah. <I'm> like what? <laughs> yeah, but, like that's what Matt Damon is. And then for him to backtrack and then be like, so yes, I was, I was saying. That we used to use, people used to use this word when I was growing up in the South. My daughter went to her room and she wrote an impassioned treatise against the word, which I have never used, by the way. Don't tell people that I've used the word. Yeah. I, like, and again, I've watched some classic movies I love and seen some of my favorite actors say words that I've grown and said, I'm not going to say anymore. And I know they've grown and they're not going to say anymore, but it still makes me cringe. But, like, I've never, like, I, I I just don't know what year Matt Damon's living in, though, that he thought Stuck on You was, like, a good even marker to be like, remember that movie I did 20 years ago? Why did you let your daughter watch Stuck on You? So there's a couple <laughs> things I want to hit here before we go. First, um, the last, I forget if it was premium or not. One of the last episodes of Chapo, they had on Brian Quimby, Murder Brian, um, from Street Fight Radio. They were talking about the Woodstock 99 documentary. Oh, yeah. And he was at Woodstock 99. Yeah. And they they made a big deal about how DMX did the song, like, My N-Word, and was encouraging everyone to sing along. Yeah. Encouraging the crowd. And then they were being like, and then the crowd shouted back with even more energy and vitriol than he did my n-word and they they were relishing it and he was like yeah i was in the crowd doing that because he was telling us to do it and i was 19 and i thought it was awesome yeah and it's like that it's like things have changed so much in the time like they those kids should have known not to do that but like it was a different time then well and also rappers still do that now well i think the, the big thing too is they should have known not to do that but they shouldn't have had to learn that at a rap show it should have been Talked to them by their parents years earlier. And more, it, apparently they're demonizing DMX for yeah. encouraging it. Which yeah. Which is like completely ridiculous. 
And, and, and that's at a time where you can even argue, like, DMX getting a whole crowd, including white kids to do it, it's just actually, you know, like... Fucking awesome. Him. No, but just, like, fueling him, like, yeah, like, these people are for me, and we're fighting against the system, but things have changed, and we're just... Yeah. I, I can't go to a rap show um, and sing it. I can't go to a rap show and be the white guy awkwardly mouthing some of the words. I think but, you could still go to a rap show and the rappers would still tell you to do that. I, don't I still don't do it. I wouldn't do it, but yeah. Well, I don't think I've been to any rap shows where, like, specifically anybody said to chant that. I've, I've been in a Todd Courier show. He told us to all be quiet until the beat dropped and then go insane. That was pretty cool. I was just thinking about Tyler Creator and this... Uh, you know, sort of thing. Like whether I I would know that he would be against it, but yeah, pretty much. But if it was Tyler the Creator twenty years ago, then he would have totally. Well, yeah, I mean, Tyler was the biggest of I'm going to say every offensive word for this, the sake of yeah, saying it for a while. Now he is one of the most progressive artists. You know, in terms of still being like in your face on the edge a little bit, but you know, he's really yeah. grown a lot as an artist too. So. Um, that's our plugs yeah. this week, Tyler. Great. Yeah. <laughs> and the other thing I was going to say is that, like, I, I think that it's sort of related to, like, the Wolf of Wall Street backlash and, like, stuff like that that, like, Scorsese got, where it's, like, you're glamorizing doing this. or Like, if you're having bad guys say bad things, like, that's just a realistic portrayal of bad guys. Yeah, and there was a book about so, the bad guy. <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't mean to overly defend Quentin Tarantino, but, like, if you're making a... Maybe the issue is making a slavery revenge film as a white guy. Yeah. But if you're doing that, you can't not have the N-word all over the place. Yeah. So we, we had a teacher once say to us, and it definitely wasn't for the N-word. It was just like a book that had like, damn, maybe shit was the worst. But she said, I want you guys to say the curse words. And the only reason why is because I want to teach you something about literature. Some people think cursing is completely like disgusting, something you would never write in any book. But the reality is, if we're talking about the men that we're talking about in this time period, and this thing happens, including this person getting their arm cut off, somebody's going to yell shit or fuck or something like that. They're not going to yell, oh, gee, God. <laughs> Don't worry, you're sawing off my dang arm. <laughs> Someone, um, Alfonso Hoops on Twitter is like a heat Twitter guy. Was talking about this in regards to the cat person story because there was like a thing oh, yeah. about how she, whoever wrote that, apparently was like researching someone she didn't know and like used her and a relationship she had been in as the basis of it. Yeah. And also about the Anthony Bourdain voice um, AI thing. Yeah. And was basically saying literature and documentary making are not supposed to be like fully ethical and morally correct on all sides. Like, if you're trying to make the best documentary and you think this is the best way to portray it, then what's best for your film is what's best. Yeah, I mean, the nature of any kind of uh, tragedy documentary is that you don't interact with your subjects. You capture them in their pain. And that's kind of makes sense. Yeah. I'm not going to go ahead and say I agree with that one just because I need to digest it and it's, it's kind of heavy, but I can see it. Yeah. I don't like the idea of, like, the AI voiceover thing no. in general, but I don't think that it's, like, an ethical problem. It's, like, yeah. he's, he said I got um, an okay from his wife and his, like, um, publisher, 
And then his ex-wife was like, I sure wasn't the one that gave him permission. It's like, he didn't fucking say you were. You're his yeah, ex-wife. Well, I mean, that's <laughs> exactly why uh, when he was alive, he didn't give you permission to stay married to him. So, yeah. moving on. Um, I thought people were being very... I think people were taking out their aversion to the tech, the use of the technology and hiding behind an ethical issue that didn't actually exist. But here, here's just one thing I want to say about this issue, though. This is one I could be completely proven wrong. Because I'm, I'm willing to say, I just, I don't really consider that as deeply as some of these people probably have. But at the current moment, yeah, I'm not like, as long as they got permission, go for it. Thousand percent. Yeah. Yeah, for, for like, making a documentary, if you have their full sign off on everything, a lot of times that probably means that there's, stuff that you're leaving out because they're not signing off on it. Yeah. So he had their sign off and he had um, Asia's, who's a scumbag's, sign off on the voice thing, whatever. But like, I honestly don't care. I would rather see the truth put together and edited in an interesting way than know that his widow, who did a sexual assault and then paid someone off, was like, Yes, I'm comfortable with this. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that's definitely, you know, the kind of things that sometimes we just don't want to address hard things. And that's the reality of nature and reality of it. So, I mean, that's, I think you hit it on the head. It's just, if you want the real, you want, you know, I mean, as much as I love the show Succession, I know that's not how the Murdoch family works. Yeah. Do you want a nice story or do you want to know what happened? Yeah, exactly. Watch fiction if you want a nice story. There's plenty of them. It'll happen every five seconds if you watch a nice story. If you want to know what really happened, it's long, dirty, and it's going to make you (laughs) upset a lot of times. Yeah. You're not going to like the person that you like as much. Yeah. So let's stop defining um, reality, anyway, uh, and let's get into plugs. So you were plugging, what is it? Uh, you were watching Garfield earlier or something? Uh, yes. Uh, watch Dilbert on your uh, daily comic book page in your newspaper. Big Dilbert fan? Yeah, I like how his tie sticks out. It's really funny. Are you a big fan of the... the Scott Dilbert, yeah. Great guy. Scott Dilbert? I like how he lives in the Dilbert house. Oh, yeah. yeah. I'm MAGA too. Just all like Dilbert. <laughs> yeah, all Dilbert. All Dilbert. <laughs> <laughs> that would actually be way funnier than all Garfield. <laughs> that would be the worst thing I think I've ever seen. All right. Just imagine, no, imagine a seat and the seat is like Dilbert and the tie is like you just sit on the you tie. You can pull it out. The, the, tail, <laughs> the, the, the tie sticks out. <laughs> all Dilbert. Fuck. Okay. <laughs> you guys want to plug there, Bobby? I don't have a Twitter anymore. So. I'm, I'm upset that anybody even <laughs> follow, follow Squilla Killer on his quest <laughs> to do the no damage master run of Soulsport games. I guess. Yeah, I, 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 I'm sorry for anybody who uh, turns out the podcast at uh, plugs because they feel like they heard things. That was the best moment. Uh, you can. Uh, I'll tell her. Fuck. You can follow me on Twitter at Shrewding Dams. You can follow me on Twitch at CodeRand because, of course, I got to make it confusing. Um, yeah, we're going to reconcile what we just did today. Uh, Bobby, I think I already know what the last word is, but you got to say it. Tilbert. <laughs>